This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown, the show where what? We decode the unknown. Who would have known it? Uh, Katie writes me a script. Was Marilyn Monroe murdered? Do you ever have those gaps in your knowledge? I'm pretty sure I've made videos about Marilyn Monroe. I definitely made one where we looked at how uh, big she was. Like, uh, in terms of, like, uh, size, because people are like, oh, in the past, we looked at women differently. I mean, obviously, we do it if we go back further in time. But people always point at Marilyn Monroe being, like, an example of a plus-size person, a plus-size woman, uh, back when she was around, and how that was, like, the most desirable thing ever. But then we made a video, like, debunking that. It's like, Marilyn Monroe was, like, really thin. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that was a fun rumor to, to, to bust. What I'm talking about today, though, is Marilyn Monroe. I know she died young. I have no idea how she died. I'm pretty sure she wasn't murdered because I feel like I'd know that. She died young from something. I don't think it was suicide, was it? I, it's crazy that I don't know this or remember this because I absolutely, I'm sure someone in the comments will be like, Simon, you you talked about this at length in this video from two years ago. And I'll be like, ah, you soon I remember things about video where I record. My small brain can't handle it. Uh, let's just jump in, shall we? Uh, did I mention Katie writes this? I've never read it before. It's a cold read. Then Jen afterwards is going to edit it. She's going to add some music and some images and all of that good stuff. Uh, obviously, images if you're watching this show. It's also available as a podcast for your convenience. Long introduction out of the way. Let's go. Why did I print this so small? My printer has this thing of just wanting to print things at like 90% size, when really what I want is 110% size, like I printed for this one. Much better. I don't know why. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, anyway. Blonde, beautiful, and not as dumb as her public persona made her seem. I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like it. Hollywood bombshell Marilyn Monroe was a legend in her own lifetime and still resonates as a cultural icon to this day as famous for her love life as the acting roles she took her early death at the age of just 36 was front page news with plenty of references to suicide pills and an unhappy state of mind while it is officially agreed that she took her own life intentionally or accidentally okay so she did kill herself apparently i didn't allegedly i didn't know that there i mean i'm sure i did i'm sure i did because i don't feel like I, i feel like if it was like uh uh james dean or whatever he was killed in a car crash like, that's quite famous. I guess Marilyn Monroe's death's quite famous. I just, I guess I'm just disappointed that I didn't know this. Even like one of those questions on who wants to be a millionaire, and they'll be like, for $300, uh, how did Marilyn Monroe die? And I'll be like, God damn it, am I asking the audience on $300? God damn it, back boy, come on. There are other threads that can be pulled that definitely put question marks over the whole event and even point to cover ups at the highest level. 
like presidential while she did isn't that one of the things that wasn't she like rumored to have an affair with kennedy or something like that or like one of the kennedys or something i don't know it's just yeah it's a little bit of a blind spot in my knowledge i guess as you may have already guessed there will be references to suicide and murder throughout this piece so if that's something you'd prefer not to listen to please check out the variety of simon's other wares all right let's go yes that's what we call a trigger warning don't ever go at me if you're like simon this triggered suicide in me and i'm like okay well now you know click off go watch something else i don't do these warnings typically on casual criminalist because it's like yo <laughs> it's true crime guys why are you expecting innocence like simon I, I, there was talk of murder and i'm like yeah it's a true crime show <laughs> who was marilyn monroe oh, thank god we're getting some background <laughs> I can pretend to know about stuff as we go through it a little background first of all baby norma jean was born to gladys pearl mortensen in 1926 while marilyn monroe is a lot of a better name than norma jean mortensen norma mortensen does not sound attractive in my mind someone called norma mortensen they sound like a like someone who would shake a rolling pin at a child in a school kitchen that's how i imagine norma mortensen whereas marilyn monroe that's a name you may have heard her birth name given as norma jean baker or norma jean mortensen her mother was separated but not yet divorced from edward mortensen at the time of her birth and had previously been married to john baker it's never been confirmed that who monroe's real father was and it seems to be reflected in her various surname changes as an adult she legally changed her name to marilyn monroe after having used it as her stage name for a number of years monroe was her mother's maiden name and marilyn was suggested after the popular broadway actress marilyn miller also someone was like yo norma uh-uh not no 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 marilyn variously spending time in foster homes with family members and even in an orphanage monroe did have periods of living with her mother but early years were overshadowed by gladys who was eventually diagnosed as having paranoid schizophrenia monroe also suffered sexual abuse at the hands of her stepfather at the age of about 10 oh, sounds like <laughs> whenever you read this it's like wait is this casual criminalist is uh is she gonna grow up and become a psycho because it's like oh my god the childhood abuse that leads to people becoming you know murderers and predators and all of this stuff is you know dark although marilyn monroe killed herself at 36 so again don't mess up your kids i have to have this script so close to my eyes because it's so small i wish i could be reading it like this but it would look ridiculous and possibly when she was younger and living with friends and foster families through it all she found escape in writing and going to see movies on the big screen as often as possible at the age of 16 she got married to avoid having to be put in an orphanage again when her mother and stepfather left the state of california bored and dissatisfied with her life she eventually began modeling and signed with an agency in 1945 at the age of 19 while her husband was away during the second world war after dyeing her hair that was naturally brown blonde monroe threw herself into modeling work appearing on the front cover of 30 magazines in the first year in 90 that is a career explosion from like being in foster homes and stuff to doing that that's like that's an upgraded life right there in 1946 monroe signed a contract with 20th century fox and started using the stage name marilyn monroe she also divorced her husband who was being kind of a drag and totally disapproved of everything she was doing and yes back then that mattered <laughs> nowadays it'd be like i don't want you modeling okay that's what you want that's not what i want F off 
After a few bit parts and taking classes in an acting school, her contract with 20th Century Fox was not renewed as they didn't think she really had what it took to become a successful screen actor. She scored another contract in 1948 with Columbia Pictures after she used her, let's say, feminine wiles to persuade an executive at her old studio, Fox, to use his connections to get her an introduction. While she did manage to land a starring role in Ladies of the Chorus, it was not a big hit, and again, her contract was not renewed. Falling back on modeling again, it seems Monroe's real talent lay in knowing who and how to network. She became the mistress of the vice president of the biggest Hollywood talent agency at the time, which I think you'd agree... It's kind of a canny move. At it work, she managed to make the jump from pretty model to serious actress with the small roles in The Asphalt Jungle and All About Eve, which in turn landed her a seven-year contract back at 20th Century Fox. I feel like this is all well and good, but at some point, don't you have to know how to act? Because it's like, yeah, you could be the mistress of the person who's cast in the movies and whatever, but it's like, if you suck at acting, at some point they're going to be like, I mean, look, I don't know how you got these roles, but you shouldn't be acting they're bad and we don't want to pay you like you at some point isn't that going to catch up with you was marilyn monroe a good actress i don't even know from then on her star just rose and rose although most film appearance appearances played on her natural sex appeal and stereotyped her as a ditzy blonde monroe was able to show off a bit of acting range and a few dramatic performances over the years and had 33 acting credits attributed to her over the 15 years of her career unfortunately though behind the glossy facade of hollywood lay a person with deep intrinsic secure with deep insecurities and an increasing dependence on drugs and alcohol so i guess to answer my question no she wasn't we're kind of dancing around the fact that she wasn't very good at acting and she was just kind of typecast into the ditzy blonde role and was really good looking I mean, I hate to shit on someone who's so famous and dead, but that's what we're dancing around, isn't it, Katie? A public personal life. It comes with the territory that famous people's lives are scrutinized by the masses, eager for gossip and schadenfreude. If only that troubled celebrity just met me, I would be able to take care of them much better than that stupid baseball player or pussycat doll ever could. Or am I just protecting them? Moving on, Marilyn Monroe's love life was obviously of great public interest, and to be honest, it deserved to be. While she wasn't backward in coming forward to advance her career, once an established star, Monroe's messy personal relationships continued to give the rumor mills plenty of grist. She dated around Hollywood, having short relationships with such big names as actors Yul Brynner and Marlon Brando, and director Elia Kazan. I only mention Kazan. Eli- Kazan, there's a there's a pronunciation guide. Aaliyah Kazan, Co- Kazan, Kazan, like Steve Zahn. Who the hell is Steve Zahn? How am I supposed to know this, Katie? <laughs> to remind Simon of his rift with Danny on a Brain Blaze episode, I randomly watched while procrastinating in the writing of this piece. It involved Kazan's motives for snitch. Oh, this dude! That the communists. Oh, I'm sorry. I know this is a different channel, but there was a whole big feud. I have another channel called Brain Blaze, and the writer on that channel sort of has a similar do a similar sort of thing on that channel, but with a writer called Danny. And we had a big feud over whether there was some like communist blacklist and then the guy snitched on all his friends. And I was like saying, he didn't snitch for his career. He snitched because he changed his ideology. And Danny was like, no, he's a And then I stopped reading Danny's opinion because I thought it was wrong. And now, uh, now he's brought up here. That's why the name did seem vaguely familiar to me. And that's why. Uh, it involved Kazan's motives for snitching on some communist colleagues. But let's leave the Red Scare out of this one. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Katie's going to be like, I agree with Danny. No! I can't remember what that episode is, but it was fun. 
Around 1952, she also started seeing newly retired baseball superstar Dode Maggio, and they eventually got hitched in 1954, although the marriage lasted less than a year. It seemed that, as with her first husband, Joe didn't like too much attention on his wife, and so iconic photos of Marilyn standing over a subway grate in a white dress spelled the end for their relationship. In 1956, Monroe got married to Arthur Miller, the playwright. I... I, I had no idea Arthur Miller and Marilyn Monroe were married, and I know both of them. Uh, and after having been involved, I mean, I don't know them, obviously. Like That sounds like, I know them, we're friends. No, they're both dead a long time ago. I mean, I know of them, of their work. Uh, and having been involved with him for a while, and they had been originally introduced by Simon's favorite director, Elia Kazin. He's not my favorite director. I just don't think he was the dead that Danny in that script made him out to be. Unfortunately, due to a combination of miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, and increasing drug dependence on Monroe's side and infidelities on Miller's side at least, the couple divorced in 1961. Monroe then possibly had a brief fling with Frank Sinatra, although most of the time their relationship has been described as platonic as well as still being in touch with her second husband, Joe DiMaggio. This is also around the time that she had some encounters with then-president John F. Kennedy. There we go, I thought so, although it's believed that neither was looking for a serious relationship with the other. The legendary TV appearance where she sang Happy Birthday to JFK that seemed to confirm to the entire world that they were actually bonking happened only a few months before her death. In some creepy foreshadowing, the presenter of the event introduces her as the late Marilyn Monroe. This is a jab at a lack of timekeeping, but it sounds just a bit off if you watch the video now, especially when you know how little time she had left to live. Oh my god. <laughs> That is, like, spooky. After bouts of depression that left her hospitalized, other illnesses, and being sued for damages for apparently causing a film production to shut down, Monroe was also fired and attacked by her film studio, Fox, which launched a smear campaign about her and trying to allege that she was mentally ill. Why do you care, Fox? That's really petty. I don't know, like, companies generally aren't petty. They're just like, okay, uh, we want our money back, or you're fired, and stuff like that. And then it's like they proceed to not care because they're just a big company that have other stuff going on and they're not a real person. Someone at Fox must have just been really bitter and petty. Someone powerful at Fox. It's like, oh, stop it. They managed to patch this relationship up, though, and Monroe accepted more film roles and took part in several photo shoots shortly before her death. Speaking of which, the death of Marilyn Monroe. In the very early hours of the 5th of August, 1962, Marilyn Monroe was found dead in her bed, having passed away the previous evening. The cause was clear. There were empty pill bottles everywhere, and toxicology reports found huge levels of barbiturates in her blood and liver many times over the lethal limit. She was naked, which was usually how she slept, and she was holding a telephone receiver in one hand. Newspapers ran headlines such as, Marilyn Monroe found dead, sleeping pill overdose blamed, from the Los Angeles Times, and Marilyn Monroe dead, pills near, from the New York Times. The UK's Daily Mirror quoted the coroner and its front page with the headline Marilyn Monroe it looks like suicide the world was shocked and saddened to see this bright light go out at the age of only 36 no suicide note was found an accidental overdose was deemed unlikely due to the sheer amount of drugs in her system on the death certificate the cause of death was given as possible suicide while the authorities more or less closed the book on the event conspiracy theories and cries of a cover-up sprang up almost immediately from the public, journalists, and friends of the deceased star. So let's take a wander through the maze of reasons why Marilyn Monroe may not have killed herself. And you may want to tell a friend where you're going before we start, as there are many, many twists along this road. See, this isn't one of those decoding the unknowns. Like, the last one I recorded for this was like... <laughs> And I really enjoyed it because it was just this deep exploration of essentially how an urban legend about that borehole to hell 
got started and i love like seeing how that came about but it was like from line one i'm like no 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 they didn't whereas with this i'm like i'm open to the idea that marilyn monroe could have been killed like, i'm definitely open to it i don't know anything about this i don't know much about it it does seem like prima facie she killed herself she had drugs and alcohol problems and there doesn't seem to be the police obviously i guess determines that she wasn't murdered but i know from my true crime podcast the casual criminalist that the police often don't get it right so i am absolutely going into this with an open mind and i'm willing to listen to the conspiracy theories and uh let's see how it goes by the end of it i'll see let's see where you go let's see what you think let's go there together here we go evidence of foul play Of course, the sudden death of anyone, let alone a world-famous woman, is going to give rise to suspicions of foul play. And were there any surrounding the apparent suicide of Marilyn Monroe? Yes. While it's not possible to know how any one person is truly feeling at any time, friends and professional acquaintances of Monroe thought that suicide was far from her mind in August 1962, as she had concrete plans for the future. She had signed a new studio contract and was supposedly going to announce to the media that she was getting back together with Joe DiMaggio. Of course, it can only take one thing to send a person spiraling off track, especially if they have drug or alcohol problems and previous mental health issues like Monroe did. But in general, the event seemed to take her closest friends totally by surprise. The main tangible case against the suicide argument relates to the drugs she apparently took. While it was assumed that she took a whole bottle of pills, there was no evidence of the pills of the pill capsules in her stomach well that's super weird and also i do feel like yes one little thing can push a person to suicide certainly but i would not i don't know non-expert not a scientist not a statistician not a psychiatrist or whatever but i would imagine that most suicides there are signs there right like people close notice someone being distant or depressed or whatever and then there's a suicide rather than just a happy person seems to suddenly kill themselves that's got to be rarer, right? It's got to be more unusual. This is strange, as her death was discovered only a few hours after it happened, and it's thought that for the level of drugs to be found in her system, she would have needed to take over 30 pills. Another odd note here is that there was no glass or water bottle around. Most people would have needed some sort of liquid to neck that many pills. She had an ensuite bathroom, but the water wasn't working at the time, meaning she couldn't have used the basin. So how else could those barbiturates have gotten into her system? There was a bruise found on the lower half of her body that some say is evidence of an injection site and that she was killed by a lethal dose of sedatives. It's also been theorized that she was given a drug enema, but the amount of barbiturates found in the liver compared to the blood was apparently too high to support this theory. Even though injecting them, though, that's really suspicious because there's going to be evidence of injection, like that bruise and the little breaking of the skin. So surely they could look at that and figure that out. Even the first police officer on the scene thought that the whole thing smelled a bit fishy. Homicide investigator Jack Clemens arrived at Monroe's home in the early morning of the 5th of August to find her housekeeper, Eunice Murray, washing the sheets from Monroe's bedroom. Was she getting rid of evidence to protect Marilyn from damaging rumors, or was she getting rid of evidence of a crime? Or did she really think that washing the sheets from around your very recently deceased boss at four in the morning is a sensible idea? Yes, I understand that shock and grief will cause people to act in all sorts of unpredictable ways, but this seems a little suspicious. No, it does. Like, I don't know, shock and stuff, it doesn't, like, it. obviously it affects you, but I don't think it affects you in the way of, like, let's clear up potential evidence. That's just a bit, I don't know, I cut her some slack, but it is a, it is a bit suspicious, isn't it? Also relating to the housekeeper, she started stated that she woke up in the night and checked on Monroe, but that her door had been locked. Fearing the worst, she contacted Monroe's personal doctor, 
But the first, but her first call was to Monroe's psychiatrist, Ralph Greenson, who broke into the bedroom from outside. This seems reasonable until you find out that apparently there was no lock on Marilyn Monroe's bedroom door. While it seems odd, Monroe had known to dislike locked doors. This could be for many reasons, but one that stands out would be her incarceration in a psychiatric hospital in 1961. Wait, how does that make sense? Did they just not try it? So that guy comes and he breaks down the door even though it's not locked, and then why would that? The housekeeper would know this. So why would she stumble into such an obvious lie? It's definitely suspicious, isn't it? But then if you were, if you had something to do with a murder, you'd be like, yeah, but there's no door locks. You'd think about it more. I feel like you wouldn't make such an obvious blunder. Arranged by her psychiatrist, Dr. Marion Chris, Monroe thought that she was going to have a much-needed recuperative rest following her divorce from Arthur Miller and other mental health struggles. Instead, she was locked in a padded cell for four days. It would have been longer, but Joe DiMaggio found out what had happened and managed to get a release. So, yes, you might see why someone would start to distrust locked doors. After her death, multiple sources, including the housekeeper, later on confirmed that there was no lock on the bedroom door. Wait, so why would you say that she was locked in a room, housekeeper? The wife of the psychiatrist who broke into the room stated, uh, There was a bolt across the door, so it couldn't be opened from the outside. I looked at some photos of the scene, which was never deemed a crime scene, where you could see the bedroom door and there's no obvious bolt. You can see the door frame clearly too, and there's no housing for a bolt to be slid into. Nothing was reported as being in front of the door on Monroe's side to prevent the housekeeper from entering. Why would anyone lie about this unless they were covering something up? I, I agree, it is super suspicious, but also it's like the worst lie ever. If you were covering something up, I really feel like you'd come up with a better lie. Also, be aware, if you find the same pictures, that, that they actually show the dead body of Marilyn Monroe, which I was really not expecting. There is a picture of her face with what looks like bruising around it, which led some people to believe that there'd been a struggle and that she had fought people, uh, fought people off before dying. It's also possible that it came from having lain face down for hours before being turned over to be taken out of the room. I got no idea. Not a medical professional over here, just throwing some ideas into the mix. There's lots of, there's plenty of suspicious stuff here, isn't there? I'm like, I, I don't know yet, obviously, because it's like, you don't know. This all could just be easily explained away somehow, I guess. But I mean, it's pretty suspicious. Other unsavory activity shortly after her death also aroused suspicion. Barely two days after she was found dead, her manager, Inez Melson, was seen leaving her home with shopping bags full of documents. What could these have related to? All right, you'd expect a manager to need to go through paperwork after the death of a client, but this was carried out in the immediate aftermath of Monroe's death while police were still interviewing eyewitnesses. What was so urgent that it needed to be removed from the house so quickly? If Eunice might, well, I don't know. You don't want private documents and stuff that with someone so famous with someone so famous the manager could reasonably think well these have absolutely nothing to do with a police investigation or a death and i don't want these like how much she got paid for different movies or like private diaries all of this sort of like personal stuff i could see why a manager would want to remove that so the police don't rifle through it if it's got nothing to do with uh the murder and then the police you know one person leaks it to the press or something I can see that. I say, I say that. That seems reasonable. I'm okay with that. If Eunice Murray, the psychiatrist or doctor, were involved in some sort of murder for ill-gotten gains, they were out of luck. Monroe's will did not name them or her business manager in it. In fact, apart from a few cash sums and ongoing financial support for her mother, Monroe seems to have left all her personal effects and the majority of her estate to her acting coach, Lee Strasberg. The last 25% of her estate went to the psychiatrist who had locked her in the padded cell. Whoa. Okay. 
Will was made in January 1961, and she was forcibly hospitalized later that same year. The doctor would definitely have been written out straight away if it was me, in fact. Or maybe she went to the thing, and then after four days, she was like, no, I really needed that. I did need to be on these medications. I didn't like it at first, but now I appreciate it. Could be. Could be. In fact, I did see in one article that Monroe had an appointment to change her will the day after she was found dead. So maybe we could throw some suspicion Mary and Chris's way after all. If this is true, the timing does seem very convenient. Dr. Chris doesn't really appear as a main suspect in any of the sources I looked at, though, so let's just tuck that one away as a total rumor. Somewhat ironically, the main beneficiary from Monroe's will was someone that she may not have ever met. Lee Strasberg and his second wife Paula were huge influences in Monroe's life, so it's not weird that she left him so much of her will. Paula died not long after Monroe in 1966, and the following year, Strasberg remarried. His third wife, Anna Mizrahi, inherited his share of the estate after his death in 1982 and promptly milked it for all that it was worth. She won rights to Monroe's image and likeness and earned huge amounts of money from licensing deals to stick Monroe's image onto practically any product that you can think of. Apparently some kind of evil legal genius. She also managed to sue the relatives of Monroe's manager, Inez Melson, who had some of Monroe's personal items in their possession after they were gifted to Melson. Mizrahi didn't want to hold them for herself, however, she sold them at auction for over $13 million. Oh my god, this woman did incredibly well out of this. Overall, she's made many times more money off Monroe's image than Marilyn Monroe ever did. So, this person is the what the second wife of her acting coach, who she never met. <laughs> oh my god. We can discount her as part of a murder plot, however, as unless she was playing the really long game, she wasn't on the scene until the early 1960s. Remember how Monroe's death was declared a probable suicide? Well, the deputy coroner who signed the statement later said that it had been under duress. While he converted to Islam in the 1970s and changed his name, he was known as Lionel Granderson at the time of Monroe's death. After having signed off on her death certificate, he was apparently charged with a spurious crime and made to resign. Wanting to clear his name and trying to get to the bottom of the whole affair, Grandison did some investigating of his own, which went a long way to getting the case reopened in 1982. While criminal involvement was once again written off as the cause of Monroe's overdose and the case was closed in 1985, it did at least bring public attention to the event. In an article in the Chicago Tribune in August 1982, Grandison said, The whole thing was organized to hide the truth. An original autopsy file vanished, a scrawled note that Marilyn Monroe wrote, and which did not speak of suicide also vanished and so did the first police report i was told to sign the official report or i'd find myself in a position that i couldn't get out of he also alleges in his book that he wrote called memoirs of a deputy coroner the case of marilyn monroe that monroe had a little red diary which was nowhere to be found after she died and speaking of notes monroe had made or had thought about making suicide attempts before and had always left a note which gave insight into her state of mind at the time if she killed herself with the overdose this time it would have been a take it would have taken a concerted effort to take all those pills meaning that she might well have written a note at some point although this of course is speculation this is suspicious yes but uh, i'm always a bit suspect when it's just one person who is coming forth with this story especially when they have a financial incentive like uh maybe a book deal perhaps it's always like mm, okay well we can't really trust you 
Thomas Nogichi, the deputy medical examiner who performed Monroe's autopsy in 1962, is also mentioned in the Chicago Tribune article. Now 20 years on, the paper pointedly mentions that he holds the same position as he did in 1962. This misses out a lot of his career history, including top promotions, resignations, and demotions for various reasons. But this man became known, perhaps a little grimly, as the coroner to the stars, having autopsied Sharon Tate, Janis Joplin, and Robert F. Kennedy, among many others. His fine Findings were not always reliable, however, and his successor overturned his verdict of accidental drowning in the case of Natalie Wood to that of drowning and other undetermined factors shortly after taking over the role. So he's going through old files and stuff, right? That's like... <laughs> I guess I didn't realize they did that. Going back to the first investigator on the scene, Jack Clemens, he thought right from the start that the whole scene looked staged. The police were not immediately called to the house, so there would have been time for some rearranging or evidence planting and or removing to have taken place. In fact, in the same article from the Chicago Tribune in 1982, Clemens is directly quoted as saying, She was murdered by needle injection by someone she knew and probably trusted. Whoa! That is a statement! This was the cover-up crime of the century. This was the first cop on the scene? The first investigator? That's mad. Uh, the cover-up of the century, a matter of the Los Angeles Police Department and other officials here protecting a famous political family of the East who had good reason to shut Monroe's mouth. Whoa. Oh, unless you're writing that in a book that you're later trying to sell. That's fairly intense. Wow, Clemens pulling absolutely no punches there. He's more or less naming names, and we all know to whom he's referring. It's the Kennedys, right? If you don't, don't worry, all will be revealed in the next section, which is coming up right now. The Main Suspects So, if it wasn't suicide, it was murder. And who might have committed- well, it could have been accidental death, to be fair. Uh, and who might have committed it? Let's go through the list of suspects, because yes, there were multiple parties who have been under suspicion over the years. The Kennedys! Oh, well, there we go, yes. Easy, good, big brain. Ah, Let's start with the big boys. Yes, this theory literally goes all the way to the top. The political family of the East that that police investigator, Jack Clemens, referenced were none other than the political powerhouses and strangely unlucky Kennedys. Well, I'm assuming that's who he meant anyway. He didn't explicitly name names, so if it turns out he meant a different family, I missed out the top suspects altogether. But I'm pretty sure that's who he meant. Yeah, I mean, even I, who know nothing about this, jumped to the fact that it's the Kennedys. And he's just not using their name because he's like, don't sue me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they have a big political family. Plausible deniability. Wasn't talking about the Kennedys. I was talking about, I don't know, someone else, I guess. <laughs> and why would anyone suspect beloved and tragically short-lived John F. Kennedy, who was the president of the United States at the time, of anything so nefarious as offing a troubled film star? Well, let's get into it. As mentioned earlier, Monroe did have some sort of an affair or relationship with President John F. Kennedy. While neither admitted to anything at the time, numerous researchers in the years have since found instances where they were in the same place at the same time and concluded that they did spend the night together at least once. And yeah, singing happy birthday directly to JFK on national TV in a dress that basically made her look naked didn't exactly give off a we're just friends, honest vibe. There is a backstage photo of Monroe with JFK at this 
is of him, which is apparently the only image of the two together in existence. JFK's brother, Robert, who was the United States Attorney General in 1962, is also in the photo, and Monroe is rumored to have been having an affair with him. In fact, it was more or less confirmed by other members of the Kennedy family. For example, in this extract from a note sent to Monroe from JFK and RFK's younger sister, Jean. Understand that you and Bobby are the new item. We all think you should come with him when he comes back east. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is that is confirmation. Ah, <clears throat> the new item. This sounds like there was something going on to me. Critics of this theory say people are reading it out of context. So for the sake of argument, let's read the whole note to get the full context. I get the feeling this is not going <laughs> to... It's just going to... It's going to confirm it, right? Dear Marilyn, Mother asked me to write you and thank you for your sweet note to Daddy. He really enjoyed it, and you were very cute to send it. Understand that you and Bobby are the new item. We all think you should come with him when he comes back east. Thanks again for the note. Love, Gene Smith. That doesn't add anything either way. It just seems to be the... Yeah. Ah, uh, that's the same. That's not really much other context to read out of it. Saying that, though, Jean Kennedy Smith herself totally disavowed the potential scandal in this note when it was put up for auction in 1994. She said, The suggestion that this letter verifies an affair is utter nonsense. I'm shocked anyone would believe such innuendo about a letter obviously written in jest. <laughs> yeah, obviously. What a hilarious joke, Jean. What a hilarious joke. Uh, yeah, obviously. So much jest apparent in said letter. Well, she would say that, wouldn't she? Yeah, I mean, it's like a weak excuse to get out of something that you wrote that harms a dead person's reputation, doesn't it? It's, uh, I don't know, it doesn't... just doesn't seem like a joke at all, does it? Marilyn Monroe also wrote letters to her stepson and father-in-law, Arthur Miller's dad, about meeting Robert Kennedy for the first time, which again, critics say don't point to any romantic feelings, but excuse me, you're not going to go on about fancying someone to your stepson or father-in-law, are you? Read between the lines, it's not that difficult. In fact, the mentions of how great a civil rights program are seem pretty shoehorned in to distract from the mentions she also makes of his wonderful sense of humor and being mature and brilliant. Find a letter written to a female friends, and I can guarantee the civil rights program won't get a look in. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yes, the pair were widely believed to be seeing each other at the time. It was. It has been rumored too that Robert Kennedy was in L.A., Monroe's hometown, the night of her death, but this has been a bit hard to verify either way. The diary that the deputy coroner said was missing contained detailed information about the affairs and also sensitive political things that Monroe either overheard or were directly spilled to her by one or both brothers. While the short-lived thing with JFK was apparently no big deal for either party, she may have been more smitten with Robert. So, would the end of their relationship possibly cause her to retaliate by exposing the information he'd given her or by confirming the details of their affair? Robert was married with at least seven children by 1962, bloody hell. And as Attorney General, he had a great deal to lose with embarrassing revelations of this kind. Yeah, there's a great deal to lose, but I mean also, is it enough to have someone killed? That's a big jump. So, did JFK or RFK use any of the means at their disposal to get rid of the potentially problematic Monroe? It's definitely not impossible. Yeah, it's not. Of course, it's not impossible. It just doesn't. I mean, to have someone killed, maybe I've just got way too much faith in people. But I'm like, that's a big old step. 
especially someone so famous. The whole reason this death has been poured over so much is that things do smell of a cover-up, and when no satisfactory answers are given, it just makes it stink even more. Monroe was found with a phone in her hand, which she tried to call for help. It seems that the last call she did make was to someone else close to the Kennedy camp, actor Peter Lawford. He was married to Patricia Kennedy, another sister of JFK and RFK, at the time of Monroe's death. He later confessed to a different wife, he had four in the end, that Monroe had called him, distraught over a love affair with Robert Kennedy. That's suspicious. That's pretty... I mean, it doesn't mean that he killed her, does it? It kind of, in a way, like she's distraught over this love affair with Robert Kennedy, that kind of pushes it towards maybe she was suicidal, rather than like Robert Kennedy had her killed. Which, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really buying that yet. Maybe, I, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Seems a little bit of a stretch. According to his third wife, to whom he confessed all this stuff allegedly, he had advised Monroe not to leave an incriminating note behind. I mean, if your pals grew up on the verge of killing themselves, is this the best thing you could say? It's like, look, 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 if you're going to kill yourself, they don't leave a note and don't mention me. <laughs> More like, why don't you uh, not do that? Why don't you not do that? Why don't we talk? Why, uh, let me call an ambulance. Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. But it gets worse. Still, according to his ex-wife, he then went round to Monroe's house and destroyed the note that she had apparently written. Was this the missing note that the deputy coroner mentioned in the Chicago Tribune article? Was Lawford being leaned on by the Kennedys to take care of business? Why would they leave something like this to a mediocre actor? This does all seem a bit far-fetched, and Lawford denied it all shortly before his death, even saying that he'd take a lie detector test to prove his innocence. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm like, this is way out there. This is way out there. When he was given the chance to do just that, however, he declined to take it. Okay, <laughs> wait, they were like, okay. And he's like, Shit, I didn't think you'd say yes. This third wife, Deborah Gould, doesn't seem to have much skin in the game of whether Monroe was murdered or not, so why did she suddenly come up with a story that was used in a book called Goddess, The Secret Lives of Marilyn Monroe by Anthony Summers? I don't know. I'm, again, I'm always suspicious with this sort of stuff, but she doesn't stand to make any money from that. But then maybe Anthony Summers is like, yo, 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 you make it juicy. This book's going to do well. I'm just saying I'm going to make money from a book that does well. And now we're just wildly speculating. But whenever books and exposed books and all of this stuff come up, I'm always like super skeptical because it's like that person's making money off a scandal and if the scandal is more juicy obviously the book's gonna sell better and it's not just a possibly disgruntled third wife of the former actor who ties lawford into the story fred otash a notorious hollywood private eye also confirms that lawford called him hours before the police were notified saying that monroe was dead. Robert Kennedy had been there earlier and that he'd removed incriminating evidence from the house. He then asked Otash to go and do another sweep as he was in such a state that he could have easily missed something. Oh my god, this is like, okay. I mean, there's definitely some cover up, right? I, I don't know if she was murdered or who murdered her, but there's tons of suspicious stuff here. It's like the JFK assassination thing. It's like, well, we don't really know what happened. But there's a there's a super there's a like with the moon landing stuff that conspiracy theory is like no there's nothing really suspicious and anything that is suspicious is easily discounted with the JFK assassination it's like there's some really sketchy stuff there I don't know what the answer is but something's up with that right and there's something up with this. The police were already there by the time Otash had arranged for someone to go to the house, however, so they couldn't get involved any further. According to Otash, Lawford had, had told him Monroe was in distress about her relationship with Robert Kennedy and wanted to know if he would marry her. On her last call, she apparently talked about trying to get a hold of the president, but hadn't been able to, and to tell him goodbye. Lawford's fourth and last wife confirms that he had used Otash's services several times over the years, so Otash's story does seem 
credible before we get to carried away though i'll just insert police officer jack clemens back in here in what was a bit of a sticking point for the murder theory clemens's credibility as a witness takes a bit of a knock when he finds out that he was indeed indicted for libel after claiming a senator and civil rights supporter had been arrested for homosexual acts this was the 1960s remember clemens resigns rather than face the charges so anything he said about the whole thing might not be worth the paper it was later written on okay that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, as soon as there's some sort of financial incentive to make something more salacious than it really is, if you're writing a book, well, there we go. Wait, he's not writing a book. He's just... Sorry, I'm confusing him with the, the guy who was writing the book famous previously. Clemens is the investigator. And so he's just... Uh, incompetent? Or what? Just jumping to accusations? He did seem to have a thing against supporters of civil rights in general, so would have been very anti-Kennedys. Maybe he alluded to the Kennedys' involvement just to be a complete dickhead. Weirder things have happened. What we really need to know, though, is whether Monroe killed herself and the Kennedys were scrambling to erase their presence in the situation, or whether it was they themselves who arranged to have her killed, or maybe they had nothing to do with it and these fringe players are just making it all up between them. I should probably end this section now before the Secret Service starts investigating me <laughs> yes let's do that um uh, but you have to admit that this conspiracy theory definitely has legs yeah it does i mean i don't know it, it's much it's much easier to say there is something fishy going on than it is to say this is the fishy thing that's happened it's like okay yeah this is really suspect but i don't think there's definitely not enough evidence or not enough going on there to be like yeah yeah, yeah it was them i think that is definitely jumping to a conclusion um or a theory or whatever but i think it's like yeah something happened something was covered up i would say like maybe around the suicide like if there was a right now i'm thinking okay so maybe it was a suicide and then it was tidied up a bit for whatever reason although the injection thing that's weird the psychiatrist and the housekeeper Here's a weird little tangent. Many worlds ago, uh, words ago, sorry, not worlds, although that phrase I guess also works. We talked about the housekeeper Eunice Murray and how she called Monroe's psychiatrist Dr. Ralph Greenson before she called a doctor or the emergency services or anybody else who might possibly be useful in a situation like this. How useful an emergency service is going to be? She's clearly dead. Uh, or a doctor, um, <laughs> yeah, well, she's dead, isn't she? So yes, obviously that's the right person to call. But if you're like Marilyn Monroe's housekeeper, she's super famous. Maybe you'd be like, I'm just going to phone. I don't know if I'd call her psychiatrist, but I'd call like her manager or something and be like, yo, I know I should have probably called the police, but I'm calling you so you could call the police and do it properly because I'm just the housekeeper and I don't want anything to do with this. Um, check it out. Thank you. I don't feel that this is super unreasonable. Why would her first call be to Greenson? Although that is weird. Like the psychiatrist, maybe she's just the one he knew, she the one that she knew best rather than the manager or whatever. Maybe she thought Monroe wasn't dead but needed psychiatric support. <laughs> As she stated, she couldn't get any response out of Monroe. Wouldn't call wouldn't call to a doctor or emergency services be higher up on most people's lists. I guess it depends on how obviously dead she is. If like you go over and she's cold and like her eyes are open and all this stuff i haven't looked at those dead pictures i don't want to um then i'd be like well she's dead isn't she so it doesn't matter who i call we're not in a rush 
Two weeks after Monroe died, Eunice Murray took a long European vacation, with some pointing out that this was a pretty convenient way of keeping her out of the picture, as she seemed to have trouble sticking to one story. Over the years, she has added and changed things to her original statement, including that Robert Kennedy had been there on Monroe's last night, and that Monroe had still been alive when the doctor was called. These differences are so far removed from her original story that you either have to conclude that she was involved in some sort of cover-up or just disregard everything she ever said. Monroe's publicist also took a trip abroad shortly after her client death and uh, she went on to work for robert kennedy not to make any accusations but that's a pretty safe place to put her if she was privy to any potentially damaging information yeah it's just more adding to the there's loads and loads of it's like the kennedy assassination there's loads and loads of really suspicious around it and it just seems like that's exactly the same thing that's going on here we can't really point the finger at anyone like reliably but we can also be like well i don't know it doesn't see it's it, there's a lot of suspicious stuff isn't there i'm rarely convinced on these uh decoding the unknowns because normally i'm like it's not aliens but this one i don't know I, i'm kind of into this i also saw multiple theories that the psychiatrist greenson was obsessed with marilyn monroe and had planted or used eunice murray as a mole to spy on her and report back on everything she was doing if this was the case it would explain why her first call was to him well that's extremely unethical <laughs> i don't think that's Psychiatrists shouldn't be doing that. That's got to be against some sort of code, right? Like ethical code. Mario herself confirmed that Greenson recommended her to Monroe, and that it and it turns out that he was living about a mile away in what was originally Murray's house. Wait, so the psychiatrist was recommended? Had the psycho the the housekeeper recommended a psychiatrist to Monroe, and then the psychiatrist moved into the housekeeper's old house. I mean, okay. I guess I had things differently in my mind that they'd be in different economic and social positions, I guess. I <laughs> Snobby Simon, I guess. So I was like, I don't know if I'd go to... I don't have a housekeeper. But if I did, I'm not sure they're the person I'd ask for recommendations of a psychiatrist. Would I? I don't know. I guess, maybe. I guess I'm just being really snobby. That's a bit... Yeah, uh, I, I guess. Okay, <laughs> let's just move on. But then he lives in our house. Which is also weird, because I just assumed that the psychiatrist Marilyn Monroe makes more than a housekeeper. So we'd live in a bigger house. Uh, I don't know, is that just an unreasonable, classist sort of assumption? <laughs> right, let's just move on. It also seems to be true that Murray had booked this holiday and let Monroe know that she would be away for a month. Monroe told her not to come back after the break, in essence firing her. Holy sh- would that give Murray some sort of reason to harm the star? While her behavior was a bit odd surrounding the night of Monroe's death, it seems unlikely that Murray or Greenson murdered the actress. There is a theory, though, that states that maybe they were accidentally the cause of her death. Because Monroe was known to abuse drugs, there was a system in place and that both her doctor and psychiatrist needed to confirm with each other exactly what was being prescribed. She may have got around this. <laughs> yes, obviously. Wait, is that some unusual thing? Of course, your doctor and psychiatrist should be talking to each other about what they're prescribing you. How about the regular doctor doesn't prescribe psychiatric medication, and the psychiatrist doesn't prescribe regular doctor medication, and then we'll all know we're on the same page? Is this not a normal thing that goes on in medicine? Because it bloody should be. Especially now we've got computers and stuff. That should be look-upable. I know there's obviously doctor-patient confidentiality, but if it's they're both your doctors, they should be able to look at that thing. Shouldn't they? That seems, like, sensible. And if they tell anyone well, then they'll be punished. She may have got around this somehow, either by lying to her doctors or possibly even having been given drugs by the Kennedys or Lawford to keep her quiet. Also, also, she's a celebrity with loads of money. 
How's that Nickelback song go where they've got drug dealers on speed dial? I'm just saying, it's not going to be very difficult for Marilyn Monroe to get drugs. (laughs) Even prescription drugs. Of course you can. It's not difficult. When she was found unresponsive, neither man knew what or how much she had taken. It's possible that they tried to administer something via injection or enema to counteract the drugs, but before, but because they didn't realize what she'd taken, it ended up killing her. This would then explain why Eunice Murray was washing sheets at 4am, if indeed she was at all. Clemens didn't mention this in an original 1962 report and only added in much later. Anything which is added in much later to a police report or a special eyewitness testimony or anything, I just, I'm so up for just discounting that. Because eyewitness testimony is extremely unreliable eyewitness testimony that is barely remembered from years before is just like that's just a joke we can't have that we got to ignore that altogether and i'm a mate there's various countries around the world that have considered just getting rid of eyewitness testimony altogether as a reliable thing because it's just not that reliable which is crazy because it's like i saw it and it's like yeah yeah i don't know how to tell you this but your memory isn't as good as you think crazy uh, have I mentioned this before? There's a great experiment. I've probably mentioned this before. Sorry, so sorry for repeating this story. And it's a half-remembered story at that. There was a like a researcher who showed a bunch of people a photograph of like, it was, you know, some people doing some activities or whatever. And he said, look at everything in the photograph and memorize it. And then every year he asked them, he got them together and said, can you tell me what was in the photograph? And they'd tell him what was in the photograph. And, oh, sorry, I should have said the photograph was sealed in an envelope. And then every year he'd call them back and tell them what's in, you know, what was in the photograph without opening the envelope, without showing them the photo. After like 20 years or whatever, he brought them back, you know, having every year asked them to describe what was in the photo. And he's like, okay, describe what was in the photo. They describe what was in the photo. They open the envelope, take out the original photo. And like, everyone's like, no, it's a different photo. It's a different photo. It is you've cheated somehow and he hadn't cheated it's just over time and every retelling the memory's got more and more distorted because when you remember a memory you're not actually remembering the memory you're remembering the last time that you remembered the memory which is crazy so your memories of of things that you don't think about often like if someone like from your childhood and you are reminiscing and you for the first time in a long time remember something that uh they bring up then that memory is very accurate that or more likely to be accurate whereas something that you go back on all the time and remember and remember and remember again that's likely to be very inaccurate which is i don't know it's kind of crazy isn't it as we've already established that his credibility is a bit suspect this may not have actually happened but anyway back to the psychiatrist and the doctor royally messing up not wanting to cop to accidentally killing one of the most famous faces on the planet the scene was hastily staged as a suicide convincing i don't know everything seems convincing to me as soon as i hear it so let's try another one the mafia Not content with prodding the hornet's nest of the political dynasty, let's dive into the murky mafia goings-on in the 1960s USA. I feel like, I don't know, I'm very hesitant to talk about, like, current-day scary people. But when it's, like, back in the 1960s, I'm like, well, most of these people are dead or... You know, it's it's long, long past history, and what <laughs> all of their crime. No one's prosecuted crimes from like the 1960s, unless you're like the Golden State Killer or some. <laughs> uh, so let's delve into mafia goings on in the 60s. You might, but you might spot some familiar faces along the way. Hint, hint. I know who it's going to be. It's going to be the Kennedys. It's the Kennedys. Chicago moss boss Sam Giancana, uh, who had shot who had shot to gangland frame when he started working for Al Capone in the 1920s, was a well-known face to both Monroe and the. Kennedys. Rejected from the draft for World War II on the grounds of being a constitutional psychopath, Giacana got on and then brutally took over a network of illegal gambling rackets within 
Chicago's black communities. Loaded with money and becoming top dog after Capone's death, Giancana, not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, sorry, uh, started hanging out with other famous rich men such as singer and friend of Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra. It was through Sinatra that five uh, that Sam. <laughs> I was going to say five a.m. <laughs> the script is so small, I can barely read it. It's all my fault. It was through. Also, what's not my fault? Katie has a passion for extremely long paragraphs. So it's like, where was I? Oh God. It was through Sinatra that Sam Giancana eventually became pally with none other than JFK. It has been alleged on many occasions that the Chicago mob helped JFK to win the 1960 presidential election, but that's far from conclusive, with other sides saying the mob support contributed little, if anything, to the overall number of total votes. Yeah, I mean, like, mob power, sure. In, like, Chicago or whatever, maybe it's going to wield some influence in certain parts of Chicago. When you're talking, like, a general presidential election of the whole country... So, I mean, I don't want to say that the mob's not powerful, but is that, is that really? I mean, I'm pretty skeptical of that. Whatever the case, JFK and Giancana did definitely know each other, and what's more, Giancana was rumored to be sleeping with Marilyn Monroe, too. In fact, sources close to Monroe, such as her personal hairdresser, claimed that Monroe was with Giancana in a lodge owned by Frank Sinatra on the night of her death. How the other half live, hmm? After maybe having brought JFK to power, Giancana is also pegged as having been behind his assassination. He was apparently infuriated by the Kennedys' broken promises to turn a blind eye to his activities. That sounds like a whole different episode. It does indeed. <laughs> Scary episode where I'll get killed by the mob. Anyway, stories of mafia involvement in Monroe's death come courtesy of Giancana's rage against one or both Kennedys. When Robert Kennedy became attorney general, he cracked down on organized crime, which chafed Giancana something rotten. The theory goes that to get back at him, Giancana decided to ruin RFK's reputation by outing his relationship with Monroe. Her home was bugged, but in the end they decided that murder was the easiest route to go. A few mafia hitmen broke into Monroe's home, subdued her, and administered a fatal dose of drugs via enema, leaving no obvious trace of how they got up, how they got there. Nah, this is like the least likely one so far. I'm like even more leading on the Kennedys other than this like mafia story. Just feels like a story. In case you're wondering all this time, yes, an enema is something when something is squirted up your bum. I wasn't wondering, I definitely knew that. <laughs> I've never had one. I'm just familiar with what an enema is. <laughs> one of the drugs used was chloral hydrate, which, according to Wendy Lee's book, The Secret Letters, was the favorite chemical weapon of the mafia at the time. So, how valid is this claim? Uh-uh, well, immediately, someone's trying to sell a book. Uh, it would explain the bruises on Monroe's face, as well as the lack of pill casings in her stomach. So as you flip the situation over, it's also been alleged that RFK ordered the mafia hits on Monroe to get rid of a politically devastating situation. She had had a relationship with mod boss Giancana, so it seemed a bit harsh of him to have her murdered either on the word of or to get back at Kennedy. Then, But then, what else would you expect from a diagnosed constitutional psychopath? Um, yeah, again, this is this is a stretch, isn't it? This is a bit of a stretch. The UFO Brigade. Oh, here we go. We really started most likely and then worked our way down right into the dregs, didn't we, Katie? What? We're really going to cram a bit of alien activity in right here at the end? You bet your bottom dollar we are. And guess who makes another guest appearance? Hello. Hello. Did you say the Kennedys? Well, you're absolutely right. According to a quote-unquote documentary about cover-ups concerning aliens calling called Unacknowledged. Disclaimer, I've not actually watched the documentary. 
Don't blame you there, Katie. Uh, Monroe had become privy to some very sensitive and classified information regarding Roswell and things that, yes, President JFK had witnessed. She had come by this info in, in intimate talks with the president, so it would really be doubly embarrassing for him if she were to tell the world. Apparently, these things were sensitive enough that once she threatened to reveal all, she was hushed up by the CIA. And I mean, in a permanent way. Like, they killed her. <laughs> I mean, look, the CIA has got up to all sorts of crazy adventures, and I'm sure they're up to all sorts of crazy adventures today that we're going to learn about in a few decades. But no. <laughs> Just think what would have happened if an actress uh, known for being mentally fragile suddenly started making media statements about aliens. Well, no one would believe her. I don't think the whole alleged cover-up would be exposed. I think she'd find herself in a padded cell once again, and the movie contracts would dry up pretty fast. So while it is a theory as to a possible reason for murder, it's not exactly the most compelling. It is not compelling at all, in any way. <laughs> so, it was su- so was it suicide, accidental suicide, accidental murder, or straight-up cold-blooded murder? Personally, the one I feel that could be discounted is accidental suicide. It's not really possible to take 30 or 40 pills without being aware of the consequences. As to the others, a lot of roads seem to lead to the Kennedys, and there seems to be more than enough odd things about the original investigation to point to some sort of foul play. But seeing as the case isn't likely to be reopened, we'll all just have to continue to speculate on what really happened to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. I'm pretty much of the same opinion as Katie on this one. Yo, um, something suspect is definitely up. Do I know what that suspect thing is? Absolutely not. Can I point fingers at anyone? Not really. But it's like something more is going on there. I keep relating it to the other Kennedy, the JFK assassination. It's like something's up. It's weird. There's lots of weird stuff there. There's lots of weird stuff with this one. This has been an episode of Decoding the Unknown. Thank you so much for listening, or if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for that. If you're watching, like button, subscribe. If you're on a podcast, leave a review. That would be fantastic. It helps get this show show in front of more people, which is wonderful. Five stars preferred, of course. Although, be honest, it's a bit of a two-star, isn't it? This guy keeps waffling. He's got long introductions. He doesn't believe in aliens. Ah, go ahead. That's fine. It just hurts my feelings. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else? That's it. Shilling done. Thank you for watching. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.